and all the time he's good. Amen, amen, amen. So following <clears throat> that brief discussion of that survey that was out there about so many people that are falling away from church and uh, um, how that survey revealed that a lot of people falling away because of intellectual skepticism, as they kind of summarized it, because they don't believe that God exists or that they uh, feel that they can make decisions in their lives without God and how there's been a, a drifting away. Well, the Bible prophesied that, and so did Jesus Christ talk about it. said that would be the great falling away. And this group that is now calling themselves the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S, well, they may just be, be surprised. And they, they, they are now saying that they don't believe in anything. There's no belief at all relative to God. And we see that as kind of being, I won't say the status quo, but we kind of see that happening more and more. But to kind of think about where we are today, when you were coming to church this morning, or when you woke up, let's say starting there, did you feel like today was any different from yesterday? Did you feel like tomorrow would be any different than today? Did you feel like there was no change? When you're on your way to church, uh, if you stopped in a store on the way to church, what were the people doing when you stopped in the store? They were just shopping, had their carts, pushing them through the aisles, throwing milk into their carts or whatever else, you know, whatever they were looking for. You know, and you just kind of look and it's Sunday as usual. You leave your house, maybe you left your house, with people out there cutting the grass. Some folks were taking their kids over to the park this early in the morning. I always wonder why they're taking their kids to church. But anyway, but they were kind of doing their thing. People were driving about, people walking and enjoying the nice weather. How did they seem to you? Did they seem like they had any, had any cares on their mind? Did it just seem like they were just, just caught up in their own little world? Nothing new. The same old saying. Man chooses which way he wants to go. But the word of God tells us something differently about that. We get up in the morning and we just go about our business like, you know, this is just another day that I'm entitled to have. God has no, no, um, no, no, no meaning in my life. God has no reason for why I woke up. I woke up this morning because I just woke up. I slept through the night because I just slept through the night. I sustained my own breathing. I sustained my whole heartbeat, my own heartbeat. So I just made it. I didn't need God. I get up on Sunday morning. Nothing else is new. I mean, I just go out and cut the grass and do my thing, you know. And the kids are just kind of going about with the parents and whatnot. You know, it's just nothing new. It's the same old saying. And I want to say at this point here, before I even get into the body of the message here, that have to remember that the word of God says that he is not a respecter of persons. God is not a respecter of persons. God doesn't like the Jew more, the Greek more, you know, uh, doesn't like the fat more, the skinny more. God doesn't like, like someone else more than he likes you or loves you. God is not a respecter of persons. God loves every single human being on this earth, including the non-believer. God is hoping that even the non-believer will wake up and come to the reality of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and come to him. So that, so that it's not God's will that anyone should perish. So God is not a respecter of persons. He loves everyone equally. He loves you just as much as the other person who is, who is prospering, who is being victorious. God loves you the same way and wants you to be the same way, prosperous. But we wind up making our own plans. We think that we know what is best for us. And this is nothing new. It's the same old same. That person that gets up and decides to take the kid out to the park or decides to cut the grass or wash the car rather than going to church, this is his plan for his life. 
But while we think that we devise our lives and that we plan, God is the one that directs our steps. Now let's go to Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. We have to always see what the word, what the word of God has to say about our lives because that is indeed why we're here. We're here to hear the word of God so that we can know how best to, uh, to, to, to guide our lives or to let God guide our lives. If we want to be successful in this life, we have to realize that God has, God has some, something to say about our lives. That, that whether we like it or, you know, just because we maybe we can't see gravity or you can't see the wind, uh, it, the wind is certainly there and so is gravity still there. Just because you may think that God doesn't exist or God doesn't play a role in your life, it doesn't make it true. It doesn't make it so. So chapter 16, Proverbs 16, and starting with verse number 1. I'm sorry, the Proverbs 16. Praise the living God. Proverbs chapter 16, verse number 1. The preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. Okay? All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the spirits. Underline that, please. But the Lord weighs the spirits. And to just pause there for a moment, put a bookmark there. And I want to go to 1 Samuel. One Samuel. Praise the living God. Put a bookmark in Proverbs and we'll go to 1 Samuel chapter 16. Okay. Okay. And while you're flipping the eye, I'll just read from Proverbs again, verse number two. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Okay. And then we look at, at 1 Samuel 16, verse number seven. Okay. 1 Samuel 16. It'll be, be tucked in there near Kings. Book of Kings. Ruth. Praise the living God. Praise the living God. Not in a rush. Praise God. 1 Samuel, verse 16. We want to look at here, you know, man is the one that he thinks he makes up his plans and plans his life and so on like that. Okay, but God is very much involved in the process. Okay, while you're getting there again, Proverbs 16, verse number 2 said, All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. Praise the living God. And then we're going to go to 1 Samuel 16, verse number 7. Okay, and it reads in verse number 7, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, or don't look at his appearance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man sees. Underline, the Lord sees not as a man sees. For a man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Okay? Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Okay? So while we may be thinking that we need to do this, that, and the other, and so on, that God is looking much deeper into our lives, and he's looking at the heart, he's looking at the, at the purpose, at the intentions that would be deep within the human being, or deep within the child of God especially. So returning now to Proverbs, okay, returning back to Proverbs, 
where we just read all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the, the uh, spirits. Three, commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. All right? So in other words, the things that we do in our lives, the things that we are about to do, we need to commit that to God, and, the, and then God will, 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 will take your thoughts and how you need to get there. God will establish them. The Lord has made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Pride and pride does not get along well with the Lord at all. You know the reason being there? Pride is what got Lucifer cast out of heaven. Proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand join, <clears throat> sorry, though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. When a man's ways pleases the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. So in other words, if you've got issues or people that are coming against you, there are situations going on in your life all right, that are really troublesome and in a way it's like you're being attacked. If you're pleasing the Lord, the things that you're doing is pleasing to God, then those issues of life will go away. People that might be opposing you that you may not even realize are opposing you will go away. They'll stop being problematic for you. First and Ray says, better is a little with righteous than great revenues without right. A man's heart divides his way, but the Lord directs his steps. All right. The, uh, a man's heart divides his way or plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. When man plans and plots his way in life. But if you are a believer, God directs your path. But for the non-believer, there can be a different destiny. If you are a believer and you're planning and you're plotting your life, there's a different there's a different outcome because you are planning your life. Every one of us as Christians, as children of God, should have a plan for our lives. We should have goals. We should have desires. We should have aspirations to aspire to 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 to, to succeed in life because God wants us to succeed. But the difference between us and the non-believer or the unbeliever is that when we're making these plans and we're having these aspirations, we're aspiring to do things, we do them with God in mind. We do them with God in our mind. Because while, while I may say, um, you know, in five years I want to become the so-and-so of so-and-so, or by five years I want to have, you know, two houses, two cars, three cars, whatever that thing might be, for the child of God, we are committing that to God. We are committing it to God. We're not saying that we're going to get those houses, those cars, or get that elevated position without God. Okay, because we're realizing that while I may have a plan for my life, while I may have desires and dreams for my life, that I cannot do that with God. So I'm going to commit that plan to God. I'm going to give it over to God, because God is the one that will actually make it come to pass, you see. The non-believer doesn't do that. He has dreams and aspirations and things like that, and he believes or she believes that he or she can get there without God. You see? You see? And, and so that is a big, big mistake. You see? And that is nothing new. Nothing new at all. It's the same old same kind of way of thinking. You see? You see? And that's where many of us as Christians, as children of God, that's where we make the big mistake. We start devising our plan. We start planning for ourselves. We start making these plans, but we do not give it to God. We see, let's go to Luke 17. Book of Luke 17. Luke 17. And this is nothing new. Luke 17, verse number 26. This is nothing new because it's been going on for a long time. 
as I mentioned here, you know, when we were coming to church or when you're out and about on a Sunday morning, people are just not even thinking about God. They don't think it's important that I should be in church, that I should be worshiping God. If for some reason you can't make it to church, whatever that thing might be, you know, you know, whatever it might be, why you can't make it to church. How much time are you spending with God? I mean, there have been times that I've been sick and for whatever reason or, or on, va- on vacation, out of state or whatever it might be. But still, do you set aside that time on Sunday to spend with God? You see, because we can't do it. But we just wind up doing like, oh, gee, let me see. Oh, 10 o'clock. Boy, I forgot. I got to get so-and-so. Let me make a quick trip down to Walmart. Oh, let me go over to Home Depot. Let me go, let me go down to the local grocery store. I gotta do my shopping. And so you just throw something on real quick and you make that trip and you come back and maybe you go back to bed or you do whatever you do. But this is on a Sunday. We're supposed to be worshiping God and we don't do anything about it because we just consider that today's Sunday. Same old same. I'll do whatever it is I please I feel like doing. Tomorrow come Monday. I'll rest up today. I'll chill out. Tomorrow comes Monday. I got to go to work tomorrow. So I'll get up now, go to work tomorrow. I'll go to work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, same old same. And we get up every single Monday morning expecting that the day is going to be the same. We get up Monday morning to go to work, just assuming and so knowing that my drive to work, the bus to work, the train to work, however it is I get to work, is going to be the same old same. I'll get to work. I'll, I'll see the boss. I'll do this. I'll do that. It'll be the same old same. Not even thinking about what if, what if, what if your same old same, the nothing new was interrupted? What if Jesus was to come? Where were you on Sunday? What if Jesus were to come? Where were you on Monday morning relative to God even? Did you commit your work to God? Did you commit your trip to God? Did you commit your drive time to God? How many of you realize that when you get into that car, you are at the mercy of a hundred or two hundred other, other nuts behind the wheel? How many realize that on your way where you normally drive to work, you don't have that, you have no, no control as a human being? What if all of a sudden, all of what you were taking for granted was put to a sudden stop? What if all of a sudden you woke up in the emergency room, you see? But it's the same old same, there's nothing new. On Sunday, I will not devise my life with God in the center of it. I will not plan my Monday morning with God in the middle of it. I just take it all so for granted where nothing has changed. Nothing has changed at all. So Luke 17, verse uh, 26. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank. They married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. And the flood came and destroyed them all. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also, it was in the days of Lot. They did eat. They drank. They bought. They sold. They planted. They built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all and destroyed them all and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Okay. So in other words, in the days of Noah, you know, God was talking to man. God was telling, telling man that you need to come to me. And, and God was there. God was there, but they just ignored him. They went on and they married and they bought load and they did this and they did that with no thought to God. Lot was the same way with Sodom and Gomorrah. 
Okay, Noah went on, was, was preaching, you know, you repent, 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 and all this sort of thing. God, the Word of God says Noah was a righteous man. Okay, and they just totally just, just ignored it. They probably laughed when he started building that ark. You know, in the middle of his backyard there, nailing together this huge boat. You know, the land that he was in was landlocked. In other words, there was no water nearby. There was no water nearby. So why is he building this big boat and everything? Just totally ignored it. Went about doing their thing. Okay? But then the rains came. Sodom and Gomorrah, the same thing. All of that sin and day to day, just doing whatever they want to do. Then all of a sudden, fire and brimstone fell. We run the same risk in our lives today. We just go on without God thinking everything. Well, tomorrow, Monday is guaranteed me. I'll get up and I'll go to work. No big deal. Sunday is guaranteed me. I'll just sleep in. I'll go to the park. I'll do this. I'll cut the grass. I'll do whatever I want. I'll, I'll plant some petunias in the backyard. But then what if the rains come? What if the rains come into your life? It's time we start taking God seriously and don't start thinking that today, all of today is guaranteed us or that Monday morning is guaranteed us. You never know when the rains might come into your life or the fire and brimstone may come into your life. The rains come into your life and the fire and brimstone falling in your life can be any kind of catastrophe that may happen. It could be catastrophe relative to your job, relative to your house, relative to your kids, God forbid, relative to a lot to, to, to your loved ones. Something that comes in that suddenly just totally shakes up your life. And then when that happens, all of a sudden, when the rains come and the Sodom and, and the brimstone falls, what happens to us Christians all the time, we say, where did that come from? Where did the rains come from? Where did the brimstone come from? Because we have been just kind of taking God for granted. And we've just been going on and on and on as if everything was going to be the same. So it catches us by surprise. You see? You see? You see? So, so we have to realize that the same old same can't be the same old same. And nothing is new can't be the same. We've got to take each day before the day comes. We've got to roll it over, commit our way, our plans, our thoughts, and our actions to God. You think about Monday morning. Just don't think that Monday morning is going to be a piece of cake. You start thinking about it on Sunday. You start planning and you praying about it the day before. Because there's not going to be the potential for it not being the same as so much there. So it, and as it was in the days of Noah and Lot, the same thing is going along today. We go through life on a daily basis. We have weddings coming up. We have births coming up. You know, there's death, there's hirings, there's fires, there's shopping. There's nothing new. But what if the rains come into your life? Things in this land have indeed changed. Same as they did in the times of old. We're living in a different day today. Living in a different time. And I'm not getting political or anything else like that, but you can see that something is wrong in this country. Something is wrong. I don't care what side of the aisle you believe in. I'm not talking about what side of the political aisle you're into. But you can see that something is wrong in life, period. The behaviors of people. There are so many just lies. Come, you, you, you read the news. And I'm telling you, you know, if you read the news, I don't care who you read and who you watch on TV. But I'm telling you one thing. If you don't have Holy Spirit discernment, you'll have people on TV and the news, the politicians and so on, lying to you blatantly. And you won't even be able to tell the truth. You won't even know because you, you, you're not following God. You're not close to God. If you don't have Holy Spirit guidance, especially in today's age, I mean, you will go following after. No, Lord, don't get me started on Facebook. <laughs> you know, you start reading the lies and the, and the stuff that people put on Facebook and people read, believe that stuff hook, line and sinker because you can tell because they start forwarding they, what they call it, reposting, I think they call it. They start reposting all sorts of things that are lies and are so dumb. And no one takes the time to check it with the Holy Spirit. But they see something that sounds cool, that sounds catchy. Oh, let me forward this to all of my friends. Then all of a sudden, all of the people are talking the same way, and it's based on a lie. 
So you've got to have some Holy Spirit wisdoms, the Holy Spirit guidance. And we as children, we as children of God, we need to make sure that we're being guided by Holy Spirit. Because there's so much lies and deceptions out there. And the biggest lie is that the devil sits there. Oh, don't, don't let me get on the, the, um, the nuns group I was talking about, the N-O-N-E-S's, the people that have no, no religious affiliation at all. So let me get started on them. But us children of God, if we start believing, we get so complacent and so laid back that we start thinking, well, Sunday is Sunday. It'll be the same as it was last Sunday. Church will be the same as it was the last time I was there. Oh, Sunday during the day will be the same as it was before. Come Monday, I'll cook dinner, I'll eat dinner on Sunday night, I'll go to bed at so-and-so o'clock, and I'll wake up Monday morning, I'll go on, and it'll be the same old same. I got these boring people at work, got these boring people in the neighborhood. Oh, I got to go shopping. Oh, I hate shopping. I got to go. What about putting God in there someplace? Okay? Because when you don't, you don't know when the rains are going to come. You don't know when the brimstone and fire is going to fall into your life. You see, so we can't go considering that that things are going to always be the same as it was in Noah's day. All right. And we're going to see here more. I'm going to dwell on Noah a little, Noah a little bit here. Um, let's go to Genesis uh, four to kind of set the stage. Genesis chapter four. You see, in those days, man had become godless, which is very, very similar to where we are today. They're constantly trying to get God out of school, getting God out of the workplace, getting God out of places where the Ten Commandments have been for a couple hundred years. All of a sudden now they want to tear down the Ten Commandments. One case, they wanted to take down the Ten Commandments and actually erect, erect a, a statue of Satan. Huge statue they wanted to put up in the, in the town square. And their reasoning was, if you've got the Ten Commandments up, we should have, we should have this up there. You, you know, and, 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 and some people actually in this country, which I can't believe, in this country, buying into that kind of nonsense. You see? So why do we just take things for granted? Why do we think that, oh, this is the same and everything will be the same as it always was? Amen? Well, the same way that, that our, um, man was becoming or did become godless back in the days of Noah, well, so it is it's happening again here today. Genesis chapter 4, verse number 25. Okay. Genesis 4, verse 25. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son, and called his name Seth. For God, said she, has appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. Remember, Cain slew Abel, and so our, um, uh, this is now, now their, their other son. Verse 26, And to Seth, to him also, there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. Underline that, please. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. Then, be- then men began to call upon God. You see? Now, at this point in time, this is the, in the generation of Seth. You can see here what the, what the Word of God is saying is that then men started believing and worshiping God. Men started uh, 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 going to the Lord. They were, were trying to get away from the sinful behaviors, if we will. And then if you look at, go forth to Genesis, Genesis 6. Okay? So with, with Seth, godly worship sort of started. Okay? Then we see in Genesis number six here, and we're looking at here how the same old same that was going on then, people were taking things for granted. Then man started to change. And it came to pass 
when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wise of all which they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man for that he is also flesh. Yet his days shall be numbered, uh, shall be 120 years. All right. And it goes on to say, then there were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men of valor of old and of renown. All right. Now, there are some that hold to the school of thought that says that when it talks about the sons of God, that this was the angels that came down and started mating with women. Okay, there's a school of thought that gets into that. Um, I personally have a problem with that because uh, our spirit beings, angels, the word of God says, says uh, are neuter. They're neither male nor nor female. So how they could come down and be mating with with human women, I I don't see reasoning to that, but that's what they say. But what this is referring to here from everything that I've read, that this is talking about when it says the sons of God, this is talking about godly people, talking about godly men. This is the descendants of Seth now, where it just got through saying here, that then began man to call upon the name of the Lord. So these were becoming godly people. So the sons of God were, if you will, the Christians. They weren't Christians yet because Jesus wasn't born. But these were God-fearing people. These were believers. They came down and they, and they, were, were, um, they went in with the daughters of men that were fair. So the, the, it's like uh, the followers of Seth who were following God started mating and, and joining with people that were not of God. Okay, the pagans that are in the land. All right. And and then it goes on to say how that God says that my spirit will not always strive with man for that he is also flesh. Okay, so we see there and when it talks about the giants of the earth, I'm thinking that this is where you have like a a Goliath, the Philistine and all that sort of thing. All right. Something happened here where, according to the word of God, as I'm reading it and from the research that I've done, it's not talking about angels because they don't have a sex, not male or female. This is talking about the Christian believers or I should say the godly believers, the followers of Seth intermingling and intermarrying with uh, with non-believers or the pagans that were, were in the world. Because don't forget, there were a lot of pagans back then, a whole lot, a whole lot of non-believers. Verse number five. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only was only evil continually. All right. So even though Seth, the line of Seth were believers, there were still a lot of people out here where it says the imagination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. There was a lot of evil stuff that was still going on. Regardless of what God was promising people and what God was saying, uh, there was a lot of evil that's going And we see that even happening today. There's a lot of evil in the world. Who are we going to believe and who are we to follow? When we see the evil that is out there, when we see the things that are being done against God, against the word of God, are we as believers just going to sit back and just simply ignore it? Or are we going to see and say, oh, oh I see something is happening here. I see where there's a change. But chances are, though, if no, not chances are, the, the fact is that if you're a child of God and you're not being Holy Spirit driven, you won't even see the evil that is being done and you won't even recognize it. You'll make all sorts of excuses for it, and you'll say this, that, or the other, but you won't recognize, wait a minute, now this is against the word of God. God would not have me to do this. This is not what God says that we as Christians should do, instead of sitting back and simply making excuses, or choosing sides because this person is on this side of the aisle, this person is on that side of the aisle, I'm going to go with this person that's on my side of the aisle simply because I think like them. Well, it's time for us to think like God. Think like God. We cannot be tricked and fooled by people that are outside of the word of God. 
Okay? And we see that, that it says in the Bible, the imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And when you say the imaginations, it's amazing what some people will dream up to do. It's amazing. I mean, you will read things today that someone devised a scheme to say something or to do something and only reveal half the truth. And only reveal half the truth. And you sit back and you say, how could they even dream up something like that when I know something, something else is the case? And you'll find that to be the case. You'll find out that what, what the other side of the coin is, the truthful side of the coin, is this person devised a scheme in their hearts to leave out the whole story so that you will only get a part of the story so that you can believe what they're saying. The, the, the heart of man is, only, is on evil continually. Okay? So this is where I'm saying, without getting into a whole lot of specifics, this is why I'm saying that in this day and age, if you don't have Holy Spirit wisdom and guidance, you will believe someone when they start saying that the, the sky is green. Because the reason that they'll say the sky is green will have such, a, such an, an amazing reason for you to believe that, that if you're not careful, you're actually starting to believe it's true. You'll believe that it's true. So we need to be Holy Spirit driven. And you laugh when you say, oh, well, no one would believe that the sky is green. I read a whole lot of things out there that people do believe. And I sit back and I laugh and say, how can anyone believe that? How can anyone believe that? But people do, you see. But this is nothing new. God said that the thoughts of his heart are are evil continually. Verse number six says, And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Underline, please. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. And it goes on then to talk about his sons and so on like that. And then we say, we go down to verse number 12. Go to 11. 11. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make an ark, and, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And then it goes on, it talks about the, the way that he was going to build the ark and so on. And then we jump down to verse number 17. And it says, and behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. Uh, they, uh, they shall be male and female. Of fowls of their kind and of cattle of their kind, every creeping thing uh, after this kind, two of every, of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. And take thou unto thee all food that is eaten, thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah according to what God demanded him, so did he. Put a highlight under verse 22. Noah, Noah obeyed. Noah obeyed. Okay? So in other words, what God is saying here is that the earth has become so evil. Man has become so evil. Many other people just ignored what God was saying. 
Nothing new. It's the same old same. We see that today. Man has just gone nuts getting God out of the picture. God said he was sick of it, that he was going to destroy all mankind, all living thing that has breath in it, except for Noah and his family. So in this day and age, are you Noah and Noah's family? Are you a part of Noah and his family where God is saying to you that you need to wake up? You need to watch out with what's going on because the world around you is getting more and more evil. Or are you just getting up on Sundays and saying, I'll do whatever I want to do and I'll go go shopping, take the kids to the park. I'll listen to that and listen to that. Or are you listening and hearing when let God letting and, and are you seeing what is happening around you? The evil that is being devised in the hearts of man where God is being kicked out of the picture. This is nothing new. It's the same old saying that is going on, that went on back then, is going on now. Or are you going to stand around and simply wait until the rains fall in your life? Are you going to sit around and wait until all of a sudden the rains start coming down and then you start looking at, looking around saying, what happened? Because you fell asleep at the wheel. You know, we've all got to start taking stock of what's going on in our hearts. First of all, what is my view of God? Do I believe that God is, but I don't know who he is? And that's a whole different sermon, which I'll go into maybe some other time as the Holy Spirit so guides. Do you believe intellectually that God is? Like some will say, well, I believe there's a higher power. I believe that there's something out there. Oh, no, Pastor, I believe in God. I believe in God. But do you know who God is? Do you have a relationship with God? Do you have a relationship so that with God so that as you are going through your life, the rains don't fall unexpectedly, but you're caught by surprise? Now, I'm not saying that we Christians won't, won't ever go anytime without having something that is, that, that is uh, unusual that comes into our life. Okay, but what I'm saying to you, though, is that if you have, have given your plans for your life, if you've given your desires, your aspirations, your goals to God, that when those things come up in your life, Holy Spirit will give you some insights as to what's going on. That it won't be a, be a sudden shock. It won't be as dramatic as the rains of Noah or the fire and brimstone that fell on Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay? But we can't just start thinking all of a sudden that today is no different from any other day. Okay? And so while all this was going on and Noah was told exactly how to build his ark and what to do and how to prepare, which is what, by the way, when God is speaking to you, he will tell you what to do. God will tell you how to build your ark and do whatever it is that you need to prepare so that when this thing, this calamity, this potential calamity comes upon you, that you will be prepared for it and not just caught out there in the rain, so to speak. Okay, that you have to be obedient and do what God calls you to do. And then we see here in chapter number seven, as it continues. And the Lord said unto Noah, come thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen, uh, for thee have I seen righteousness before me in this generation. When God looks upon you, can he see righteousness? When God looks upon your heart, because he doesn't, he doesn't look at the outward thing. God looks at your heart. God knows deep inside what you love. God knows deep inside what things you put before him. Whether it's more important for you to be out back gardening, you know, or, or working on a car or, or, or watching a movie on TV or doing something else. Is that more important to you than spending time with him? Because how can you expect to really know God moving yourself from beyond, yes, I believe that God exists, to actually knowing God, to move yourself to that? You've got to spend some time with him. 
Okay? If you're not spending time with him, when these things, how many times did something happen in your life that may have seemed catastrophic to you, catastrophic to you, that caught you totally by surprise? How many times do you think Holy Spirit was trying to get your attention? How many times do you think Holy Spirit was whispering to you to be prepared for this? How many times did you feel in your stomach, in your gut, so to speak, that something was wrong? That something wasn't quite right with what was going on, okay? But you just ignored it. You, 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 you put it aside. You just pushed it back. You said, oh, well, this is just, I don't know, whatever, I'm tired, I'm sleepy, or whatever like that. But you didn't take time to go to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I'm feeling this in my gut rolling around in here, you know, with such and such a situation, my job, my house, my family, my kids, whatever it might be. I'm feeling something going on here. Lord, is there something you're trying to tell me? There's something that I need to take a look at. Is there something, Lord, that's happening here that I need to be more prayer? Is there something that I need to open my eyes to? You see? Many times, if you're a child of God, Holy Spirit has been talking to you. He's been trying to get your attention, you see. But you're so busy doing other things that you can't hear him. What if Noah had been out there when God was talking about build this ark and, 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 and get this wood and do this and do that and giving him dimensions and everything like that? What if Noah had sat back and said, wait a minute, Lord, that's an awful lot of work. It's an awful lot of work for me to be out here nailing this stuff together and talking about what? Destroying? What are you talking about? Flood? What, what flood? Where is the water going to come from? There's no water around. I mean, what if he had gone and started, you know, second-guessing God? You see? You see? You know? And, and, and we think that is kind of silly now, because, but we do that in our lives. We do that in our lives. You know? Last week, I think, was I talked about the, uh, the, the things that seem to not make sense in our lives. You know, how we need to do them when God is telling us to and God is calling them to. But how many times do we dismiss what God is telling us because it just doesn't seem right? It doesn't make sense. Lord, water, flood, where? It even says in the scripture there, as a matter of fact, that in that time it didn't rain. It said it didn't rain. The word of God says that during that time it didn't rain. It said that, that there was a mist that came up from the ground that watered the earth. So it didn't rain. So God indicating this flood coming down, this was totally foreign to Noah. But how many times do we do that in our lives when God is trying to tell us? God is trying to tell us something about a loved one. A loved one where there's some issues, you know, there's, there's, there's sickness or there's financial issues or whatever it is that may be going on. Or that there's a matter of faith that's happening in there. How many times does God show us these things and tells us, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to pray. But we kind of dismiss it because, oh, well, I can deal with that Monday. I can deal with that Tuesday. And I go on and I do whatever it is that it is that's important to me right then. See? But then, then the rains come into your life, and then you're surprised. Then the fire and brimstone comes into your life, and then you're surprised. You see? But this is nothing new. This is the same route, the same route that things went before. You, you see, and, and, and just merely having that knowledge, because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The fact that, that, that this is happening right now, and the fact that you have, as a child of God, you have the knowledge that this is nothing new, that that should give you a frame of reference that, hey, maybe I better stop and take stock of what's happening in my life. Maybe I need to stop and do some reflection of what's going on in my life. Because this is a recurring thing here. This is a recurring thing. Where people around me are just totally oblivious to God. I don't want to be like them. I don't want to be oblivious to God, to the, to the movement of God. How many times will people try to keep you out of church? Be, either by design, by plan, or maybe it could be totally innocent. 
But people have a way of wanting you to do things on Sundays of all times. You want to go looking for a house? When are they always having open houses? When are they always showing houses on Sunday? Okay? Many, many games that go on are on Sunday. There are a lot of things that happen on Sundays that would keep the child of God out of church. But you've got to be smart enough in the Holy Spirit to realize that this is nothing new. The same way the devil is trying to keep me out of church, the same, this happened also before. It's nothing new. It's the same old same uh, 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 tactics that the, that the devil uses. Amen? So again, verse number one, real quick, we keep moving here. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for, uh, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. This generation, those that are around him, his contemporaries. A very clean beast thou shalt take to, to thee by sevens, the male and his female, and of the beasts that are not clean, by twos, uh, the male and female. Of fowls also of the air, by sevens, the male and female, to keep seed, to keep seed alive upon the, upon the earth. For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth. Forty days and forty nights. And every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the earth. All right. Now, imagine God saying to you, for yet seven days, I will cause it to rain upon the earth. Now, again, Noah didn't know what rain was because the word of God says back in those days it didn't rain. It was a mist that came up and watered the entire earth. What if God came into your life and said, in seven days, I'm going to do so and so and so and so and so and tell you something that seems totally, totally wacko. How could that happen? How could I ha- How could that happen? Well, in the first place, if you're not praying to God, if you're not talking to God, if you're not spending time with God, you're not even going to recognize that it's him that's telling you that you need to watch out, need to open your eyes. You see, and the thing about opening our eyes about our lives, the Holy Spirit many times will be telling us you need to open your eyes, you need to wake up, you need to wake up. So many times we, especially us men folk, because of the fact that we're so proud and so puffed up, we'll, we'll say, I know what's going on in my house. I know what's going on in my life. I know what's going on in my job. I know this. I know that. And you won't time, take time to listen to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit could be guiding you. Holy Spirit can be saying to you maybe, in so many days, there's going to be some rains. There's going to be some rains falling. Okay? But we want to get so caught up in our own stuff that we don't stop and think about, Lord, what are you talking about rains? How could so-and-so be happening? Lord, I've known that man for so many years. He couldn't be thinking that. Lord, I know that woman for so many years. She couldn't be thinking that. But Lord, those are my children. They're just little. They couldn't be getting involved in that. But Lord, that's my friend, so-and-so. I've known him. I've known her for so many years. They couldn't be involved in that. The Lord may be telling you that the rains are coming. All right? But we get so caught up that we just think, because of the fact that everything that he or she, she did for the last year, two years, three years, five years, ten years, twenty years, because they've always be way, behaved that way, tomorrow it's going to be the same. Tomorrow they're going to behave or life will be exactly the same. Instead of hearing Holy Spirit telling you. Okay? So the same way God reached out and warned, okay, God does the same thing today. You see, but many times, though, we think that eh, it's OK until the rains come into your life, till the rains come. All right. Then he says, uh, um, but, but then never, number, number five says, and again, and Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. Please underline that, because you see, again, he was obedient. 
And that's kind of been the, that's the thread throughout the Bible here when God is telling people, God told Joshua to do and to say this, and it says that, that Joshua obeyed. God told Abraham to get up and leave, leave his country, leave his land, and it says that he obeyed. You see, we kind of see all the time that the godly people obeyed and did what God said. Verse number six said, and Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters was upon the earth. All right? The rains came. And Noah went in and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Of clean beasts and of beasts that are not clean, of fowls and of everything that creepeth upon the earth, there went in two and two unto Noah into the ark, the male and female, as God had commanded Noah. Underline, as God had commanded Noah. You see? Now, sometimes when God tells us to do something, it could be a task. It could be a task. It could be something that is a lot more than me getting up and brushing my teeth in the morning. It may be something that may take you going out of your way to do it. There may be something that you feel you're not capable of doing or don't have the strength to do. But we know that when God tells us to do something, he won't tell you to do something and not give you the ability to do that. You think God would have told Noah to build this huge ship, this huge, huge ark, if you didn't know that Noah had the capability to do so and to give him the strength and the wherewithal to do it? But we see there in the end of verse number nine, as God has commanded, had commanded him. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. OK, and then surely enough, we see what happened. As God said, the waters came. And then we just jump down to verse number twenty one. Verse number twenty one. And all flesh died that moved upon the earth both of fowl and of cattle and of beasts and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, and every man, and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life, of all that was in the dry land, died. You can underline that or highlight it, because that's, that's dramatic. All flesh died, 21, that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle, uh, and of beasts and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life, all that was in the dry land died. And every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle, the creeping things and the fowl of the heaven. And they were destroyed from the earth and Noah only remained alive. And they that were with him in the ark and the waters prevailed upon the earth. A hundred and fifty days, a hundred and fifty days, almost six months. OK. So see here that all flesh died. Just as an interesting thing here, it, it, as an interesting side, I mean, if you, you read and you, you study cultures and things like that, the interesting thing, in, in, in almost every major culture, there's a story, there's an event of a flooding that, that took place. So you can't just say, oh, that's just the Bible, because it's not just in the Bible. Many of the other cultures, almost everyone has some account, differing names, of course, and things like that, but talk that talks about a major flood that came out and wiped out all of mankind. But I just say that as an interesting side note, because I take what the word of God goes by and exactly according to this to this account that's happening here. OK, and relative to my life today, I have to make sure that I certainly believe that believe that 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 that, um, that, that God in our lives now warns us of rains that are coming warns us of floods that are coming into our lives and that he's out there trying to tell us if we're willing to listen and that we can't just think to stop and think that, oh, well, it's the same old same. Nothing is new. I can get up Sunday morning and do whatever it is that I want to do. I don't have to think about God. OK, I can put I, I, I can put um, I can put my feelings before what God would want me to do. 
You see, and especially that is so dangerous there because the time that you do that, maybe that's the time that you need to be blessed. Maybe that's the time there's a word that's in church. Maybe that's the time there's a message that's in church. Maybe that's the time there's a prophecy that's going to come forth in church. Maybe that's the time that there's going to be a laying on of hands that you can benefit from. Maybe that's the time. Because I noticed that the time when, when, when the devil wants to keep you from, from receiving that blessing, that's the time that he has you stay home. That's the time that he just makes it. Everything else around you is so important. Okay? There have been times where I was sick and just, just dragged myself in and whatnot. And I remember, boy, before I even became preacher, preacher, I would drag myself into church and the message that I would hear from the pastor exactly was what I needed to hear. And by the time I got out of that service, every single symptom, every single problem I had was gone. It was gone. But what if I had stayed home and decided to do what I wanted to do? Thinking to myself that nothing is new. Everything is the same. I'll go to church that Sunday. I know it's going to happen. The choir will get up. There'll be the worship singer. They'll, the worship singer, there'll be the praise and there'll be this. And the, then the, the pastor will come up and he'll do this and he'll preach. And then after that, we'll do this and then we'll break up and then I'll come back home and then there's nothing. Same old same. I say to you as a child of God, is never the same old same. Never. God has something planned for you. God has good things planned for you. But you won't be able to benefit from those plans and those good things that God has in store for you until you really, really lock on to him. See, lock on him. And until you stop thinking that everything of your life is going to be the same old thing, because one day you'll wake up. One day you'll wake up and you'll find that something is radically different in your household. You find that something different has changed. You find that something is different in your job. You find that something is different with your finances. You find that something is different with your kids. You find that something is different with your family, your loved ones, your friends. or You find all of a sudden things are different. And where did it come from, you'd be saying to yourself. Amen? Amen? Holy Spirit was trying to talk to you, but were you there to listen? God was telling you that the flood is coming, but were you there to listen, to prepare yourself, to build your ark, or to do whatever it is that God would have wanted you to do? You see, so we've got to stop taking every single day for granted, especially on Sundays when we should be worshiping God. And we should be worshiping God, I mean, 24-7. The Word of God talks about praying continually. I mean, that's one way to, to get out of that, that, that uh, um, uh, 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 valley or ditch that you're in, is to pray continually. And as I said before, it doesn't have to be long, elaborate prayers. We don't have to speak in King James language, oh, thee art thou, and all that. You don't have to do that. You simply can pray to God. You can pray to God, tell him what's on your heart. Say, God, I don't even know how to put this into word, Lord, but, but this, is, this is what's going through my heart, Lord. This is what I'm worried about, Lord. This is what I'm concerned about. Lord, why this? Why that, Lord? This is where I want to go. It doesn't have to be an elaborate prayer, but just take some time and pray to him. Get to know him. But then, more importantly, listen. And get your heart and your, and, and your thoughts and your mind into a position that when you, do hear from, when you do hear from God, that you do what he's telling you to do. And many times that will be telling us to sacrifice or to stop doing something that we're doing. Or to start doing something that we should be doing, you see. But many times that could be an inconvenience to us. You see, you see, you see. You know, many times, many times the things that we do, the things that we enjoy doing, may not be of God. Okay? Listen carefully and think about what I'm saying here. Many times the things that we do, things that we enjoy doing, may not be of God. Okay? One way that we can discern whether or not the things that we do and the things that we enjoy doing is of God or not, one way of discerning that is very simple. 
Is that thing that I enjoy doing, is that thing that I love doing, keeping me away from God? Is that thing that I enjoy doing, that I love doing, is it keeping me from spending some meaningful time with God? If you find yourself caught up in doing something almost 24-7, then that means that it's only 24 hours in a day and seven days a week. And you're almost engaged in that. And then the other times, other than that, you got to eat, you got to sleep, you got to bathe, etc. Then how much time in between are you having for God? If all you're doing is you're consumed by doing whatever that is, you see? And many times the things that we enjoy doing is what we wind up doing that is not necessarily that God would want us to do. So what I'm saying to you is that you got to stop and you see, think. You got to think about it. You got to stop and think about it. Is this really keeping me away? Am I consumed? You see, because you see, the devil knows that while we are in the flesh, the devil knows that while we are in the flesh, we are going to be greatly moved and guided by our fleshly um, 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 stimuli, by our flesh, fleshly wants and needs and desires, because we operate in the physical body. The devil knows that. So so the things that are appealing to you, the things that are attractive to you, what I'm saying to you, might not be of God. I'm not saying that God won't give you attractive things. I'm not saying that at all. But we as Christians need to stop and think, is this thing that that I'm attracted to that is drawing me so close to it so much, where I'm spending so much time, is it it of God? Okay? See? Now, and the devil is smart in that. He's a dummy, but he's smart in some very because he's crafty. The Word of God says that. Watch out for the wiles, the tricks of the devil. The reason why he'll put things in front of you that, that you enjoy doing, that, seem, that, that, that feel good, so to speak, be it physical, be it mental, or whatever stimulation that you get from it, is because he knows, the devil knows, that if he can get you tied into that so much, tied into that so much, and that can be with people, it can be following people, it can be believing people, or just listening blindly, whatever it is that, 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 that kind of turns you on and, and gets you involved, say those, if he can get you focused on that, then guess what? You can't hear Holy Spirit. Okay? You can't hear Holy Spirit. Because when you're deeply engrossed in whatever this thing is that you're doing so much, then God is trying to call you to do something, and you can't hear Him. God may be trying to call you, hey son, hey daughter, the rains are coming. The rains are coming. But you're so distracted by that shiny thing, whatever it is that you like to do. By that person that comes into your life. By that person that calls you Sunday morning. By that person that keeps you from studying, from, 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 uh, from going to church, from reading the Word of God, from praying to God. Amen? Amen? You know, there was a time I know my mom told me when I was a youngster, you know, a teenager, and even into my early 20s. And she said to me, she said, Michael, you, you know, you're burning the candle at two ends. You can't keep doing this. You're burning the candle at two ends. Of course, at that age, when you're young, and you think you're, you know everything. Back then, when I came up, there was a saying that went around, don't trust anybody over 30. That's what we used to say. Don't trust anybody over 30 back then, because at the ages that we were, we knew we knew it all. I'm serious. That was, a, that was kind of the motto. Don't trust anyone over 30. You know? Mom said, you're burning the candle at two ends. You know? What you're saying is that I don't have time for God. You know? I'd get up, I'd go to work, come home after that. Some of my buddies and whatnot at the office there, you know, you know <laughs> go to happy hour. Then after happy hour, there was a, some kind of a gathering someplace, a party or whatever, whatnot. You go there and, and you, you stay there till almost sunrise. I come home long enough to shower and change, eat something and change. Dad's getting dressed to go to work in the morning and stuff like that. And oh, hi, I see you all later. Where are you going? I'm going to work. Well, I kept going to work. Okay. But how much time to have for God? 
Okay? Didn't have much time for God. Okay? You see? But God is a loving God. He's a very patient God. He knew what he wanted me to do. He knew that at some point in my life that I was going to be evangelizing his word, that I'd be preaching his word. God knew that. So God kept his hand on me. God kept on and kept on and kept on until one day he finally got my attention. May 5th, 1980. Shortly after you were born. Realized, said, oh boy, I can't do this without you, Lord. Can't do this without you. Gave myself to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's my birthday. That's the day that, that's the day that's the day that I celebrate my birthday. May 5th, 1980. Fell down on my face before the Lord. I said, Lord, come into my life because this is just, is going too much. I'm tired, Lord. I need your help. I've messed it up. I've tried and tried and tried and, and da, 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 so on like that and poured out my life to the Lord and that was it. At that point, I believe God rolled up his sleeves and said, now nah, I can work with him. Okay? So when I speak to you about watching out for the reins in your life, I don't speak to you intellectually or from something somebody told me. I speak to you firsthand because I know. And I'm saying to you that listen to Holy Spirit. Listen to God because there's not one person in this room that God does not want to see succeed. God does not want to see prosper. does not want to see you happy. does not want to see you joyous. Not no one sitting in this sanctuary is that is, falls into that category. God loves every single one and wants to see you prosper. But you've got to be able to hear him. Because we're at the day when the rains are about to come. Not to measure get me started on Jesus coming. You're going to be ready for that? You're going to be ready? You know? Or you're going to be like in that movie that had a powerful message in it. It said, though, I forget the next, the exact title or something like or, um, the return on Sunday or something like that. And it was about Jesus Christ coming on a Sunday. And then throughout the movie, it showed Jesus came on a Sunday. How many people were in the church? <laughs> How many people, including the pastor, was left behind? Okay. Came on a Sunday. Those that were believers and really following God, they were they were raptured up. There's a whole bunch of them that were still sitting there in church. And the pastor came on and said, I thought I knew, I thought I understand. I mean, I preached the message, I did this and I did that. But deep down inside, he didn't believe. So do you believe? Don't be around until the rains come into your life. Because, you know, nothing is new, nothing is changing. Things are creeping up upon us all and you've got to be prepared to hear and to know when God is speaking to you. Amen? Amen? Listen to him. He's calling to you. Start it today. Make a commitment in your heart today that you're not going to be distracted. I don't care by any, I don't care who they are. Wife, husband, child, daughter, I mean, relative, nephew, niece, whoever they are, boss, co-worker, whatever. Don't let them stand in your way. God has a plan for you. God wants to, but you've got to roll your way and really, really, really commit it to him. Amen. Time to get serious. Praise God. Praise God. I hope this message has been a blessing for you. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So now, before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.